Hello, Vitamizers. Welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. My name is Allison, and I'm here in Austin, Texas with you. Your co-hosts for this show are Jonathan Mendoza at Nurse Doza on Instagram and Baldo Garza at Tex-Mex Yogi on Instagram. Today's guest is very special. She has been a good friend of John and Baldo's since college, and she's also in the healthcare industry. But before I get to introduce her... This podcast is brought to you by MSW Nutrition. MSW Nutrition is a supplement line designed to help support your body in as many ways as possible, starting with the liver. By helping to repair liver health, you're supporting your body's biggest detox organ so that it can do its job taking care of the rest of you. We carry supplements to help with mood, stress, energy, weight loss, gut health, immunity, and much more. Any product carrying the MSW Nutrition label will be produced in an FDA-certified lab and contain the most bioavailable version of those nutrients possible. Make sure to check out our website at www.mswnutrition.com to see all the latest stacks to help you reach your health goals. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date with their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. We also have a brand new online workout community called Online Workout Badasses, where we have three donation-based Zoom workout classes a week and an amazing community of people who are all working to be healthier together. Please join below in the show notes. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more about Flabs to Fitness at www.flabstofitness.com. So today's How Do You Health podcast guest is Vanessa Cobra Rubias, and she is a PA down in the Valley, which is South Texas, (laughs) for those those of you who are not familiar. Uh, She obviously has been working on the front lines of a lot of the uh, coronavirus outbreak and all of those things, so we were very excited to get her on the phone, well, on the podcast, actually, uh, (laughs) to talk about all of those different things and what it's like from her end of the spectrum with all of this craziness going on, and of course, we talk about other health stuff too because we can't just stay on one topic we love talking about all the things on this show (laughs) so without more stalling from me here is vanessa cobra rubias on the how do you health podcast some of them um are kind of stuck um and so we have that that many many people 1.4 million and i have 146 ventilators and 78 icu beds and that's it. And am I disappointed in the government for having that? Well, not really, because how could they um, project that something like this would happen, right? We were good with 146 ventilators and 78 ICU beds. But now that this is hit, and I see and I read the science behind it and have to keep up on the daily, it, it's scary. It's very scary for us. The other day, we had two codes within an hour 
and some the one was suspected i think the one upstairs was suspected but by the time that people put on all their gear to go into the cove i don't it's really hard because they have to be geared up and they're in the COVID section and we have like two people doing uh the code but then you have to have everyone else dressed and everyone else in there and there's so many precautions and it's in a different area than where it usually is and i, I think that it's frustrating because people don't see that part and that's just those are the facts like that's what we have to go with and work with and so when i tell people that they kind of like sit back and they're like oh my gosh and it kind of hopefully and then uh, then on the other end of the stick i have people telling me that i got into a I've since get really kind of stayed away from social media as much as I could because um, the girl said I was a ne negative Nancy for giving her facts. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to help you understand why we have to stay, stay, stay home. Because a lot of people are saying, well, it's the government taking our rights away. Well, you could look at it that way or can you look at it like we're not prepared? We're not prepared for this. Yeah, I... I'm glad you said that because this is this is something that like I feel is not being talked about like you, there are people who are commending you know obviously frontline workers and essential workers to you know say hey thank you for taking care of people and, and working hard and being stressed out and not be able to maybe go home to your loved ones and maybe working overtime and you know I mean it, it, it's it's a burden on uh, uh, a system that's designed to basically help people and right now the people who are trained to help others are um, short staffed there's a uh, shortage of equipment there's you know just you're not getting the help you need in order to perform your job and 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 that's by no means the the personnel's fault right i mean we're talking like organizations administrations we're talking um government officials we're talking policy change all these things that were there that all you said was like hey i'm gonna sign no sign up for this oath and show up and take care of anyone who shows up and needs to be helped um i don't have judgment i can't have judgment i can't right you have to check your ego at the door and just say if somebody shows up and can't breathe i gotta take care of them right you know i gotta help them breathe and so one of the things that i thought was just great about local communities was i'm sure people were making you masks right because they heard y'all are short of masks right so like you have people who would go out of their way to go and sew them up and donate and it's like well it shouldn't come down to that like that's ridiculous right like it, it's ridiculous that we spend more money on healthcare in this country and our friend working hard in the valley doesn't have enough masks masks to, to help you know doesn't have uh maybe enough supplies and, and help and maybe you know the staff is not helping them by you know complaining about everything with the administration sure didn't help them get set up maybe it didn't start with them maybe it came from a higher up so the focal point right now is healthcare, right? You're a healthcare worker and you're saying, hey, listen to me, I'll take care of you know patients, but y'all gotta help me out here. I feel like you, I feel like you're saying you're not getting enough help from the system that you're designed to, to help. Yeah, it's honestly like on May 1st, and I'm waiting, I'm gonna put up that picture because I think I, I know I, around here retail's opened up today. Um, but May 1st, I'm waiting, there's a picture of a healthcare worker and there's, you can see hands clapping in the background and then all these scissors are in her back. And that's how I feel. Um, 
I feel like don't applaud me. <laughs> don't I appreciate it, but um, understand where I'm coming from because then people will say, well, you signed up for this. I've had that before. We've been from a coworker who said he didn't work in my department and he was just like, this is what we signed up for. And I'm like, no, we didn't, we didn't, we signed up to, to take care of people, but um, to take the people without a bulletproof vest, you're not taking, that's not what I signed up for, you know? Yeah, it's like, I can't really help people, but I'm going to be sick too. Like, it doesn't. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. Toast. I, I don't know why I can never remember exactly, but where exactly are you in McAllen? Sorry? You're in McAllen, is that correct? I'm in Harlingen. Harlingen, okay, cool. Um, I knew it was the valley, so. <laughs> um, so tell us, uh, um, so let me ask you this, because I, I, I don't know this, and, and I know that it, like in a lot of hospitals in Austin right now, they're, they're not full, they're not operating in a, in a full capacity for whatever reason. Maybe we're just, maybe they're just lucky. Are you, I, I know that in a lot of other places, people are working with longer shifts, they're having to feel like, with, you know, overflow. How, how, is the, how is that situation for you? Uh, the situation actually, uh, it is true down here where our volume has gone down significantly, which is kind of like a really are, uh, we've had to cut our hours, um, which is, it's like, okay, that's fine. Cause we still have a job, but I know that some, uh, OPA I work with, he works at a different hospital and he was told, yeah, we don't need you anymore as far as mid levels. And that's like PAs and nurse practitioners like John. And we, I, I was like, oh my gosh, like here we were in high demands month ago and now it's kind of like yeah we don't need you right now because the volume so so then you have um docs going uh groups of docs like kind of looking at the bottom dollar and i actually unfortunately i had one recently tell me he was like vanessa you know this isn't a big deal come on did you know that the flu kills people and i'm going you know i said doc you know i'm not really worried about the economics right now and, and i say that lightly because i'll worry about that later or worry about that because my job right now is i'm right here right now it, looking at this picture and i said i'm worried about how am i going to manage these people come in and one of the nurses said it's easy they're over 60 and if they have comorbidities they don't get a vent and i just looked at her like yeah i, I can't do that like for my colleagues in other countries and my colleagues in New York and places that are inundated right now, like that's just disrespectful to, to downplay this. It's just disrespectful, but they are because it's about economics too. Well, yeah, because think about it. Like right now the hospitals are losing money, right? right. If you have, if you're laying off staff and, and you have like half the hospitals are full right now, there's the administration that's making business decisions, right? And, and, the weird thing about being in the hospital is that it's a business, right? So there are the influences of a business and a big hospital usually has an organization behind them uh, and, and they have protocols and standards and that's what they try to do and separate themselves from other hospitals. So, so I'm sure that there's been many of talks and you probably overheard of the same like, gosh, you know, like, where you know we need we need to be more full so we get more staff in and then we can you know i've heard there's nurses that were being laid off too even though you know you get committed i mean hell this could all be a different conversation like you said if you got laid off last week right like i mean this is then you're like well i want to help but like 
you know, the hospitals can't even afford me right now. You know, right. that, that's, that, that's, and it shouldn't be that way because if you look at what you first said with this whole situation was like, let's really look at what we're going to take away from this, right? Like you said, well, there's not so much I could, I can have an opinion on right now because if I'm staring at someone blue in the face, I have to do something about it right now, right? I can't, I can't judge, I can't question, I gotta, I gotta take action. Well, let's, let's question now. Like we're kind of stepped away, you've stepped away from the hospital, right? We're at the end of the day and kind of look at the situation of healthcare in this country right now. And, and I would say from my, this is just my opinion, I mean, I'm sure you have yours, but I think right now we're too much in a sick care model. And when you overwhelm the system in a sick care model, uh, it, it's too much to stand. And the preventative aspect, since it's not emphasized, it overwhelms a system that already spends billions of dollars trying to keep these people from basically dying, not really living, but keeping them from dying. And they just manage uh, a disease. They don't actually prevent it. And, and it's unfortunate because that should be the bigger picture that everyone should be talking about. And right now, I'm sure you have an opinion building. I want to hear it, but you got to imagine right now is like your stage, your platform to speak up and say, Hey, we're the focal point of the world right now. Here's really what's going on in healthcare nowadays. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's why I said, like, we didn't have a leg to stand on before this. My ER was packed with this before this, because, and that's what people don't understand that it was packed with, uh, and it's still, it's some days it still is with real issues that have to deal with chronic illnesses that we have, covered up with big pharma right it's just like take a pill just take a pill your diabetes will be all right take a pill your hypertension instead of like focusing on preventative medicine and that's kind of the reason why i went to er because i have a we've had conversations about this where i have a big problem giving someone a pill that can be fixed with diet and exercise you know or eating better food but then at the same time we sell crap food really cheap right so then our low-income people eat the crap food and they can't afford the good because it's expensive to eat good, right? Well, that shouldn't be. It, yes. should, it shouldn't be. It, it shouldn't really be. shouldn't be. If you, if you can, if you, if you manage it the right way, I guess like anything, right? You just have to know what you're looking for. But I see. Here's the thing: we're in different worlds. I mean, we really are, right? We're in states. We're not that far of a drive from one another, but you have a population that's predominantly insurance based, and it's usually yeah. Medicare, Medicaid. Absolutely. So you have essentially a government-run insurance healthcare system mm -hmm. that dictates care, right? That's essentially how I look at it. So on our standpoint, we are a cash practice, which right. means that we are the ones dictating the shots. There's no administration coming from above saying like, hey, we need to treat this as a business situation. What's the best ROI on this patient we're about to see? Like it's, it's very odd, right? And when you allow the practitioners to make the decisions, you, make, you get better outcomes, right? There shouldn't be outside influence. And so if you look at like the triad you said, right? The diabetes, the obesity, and the heart disease, Almost every single death around the world or issue, major sickness with COVID has had one of these comorbidities, right? right? One of these issues. And here in America, I mean, I'll say it, we spend more money on healthcare in this country than any other developed country in the world, and we're ranked 30th in healthcare in developed countries. I mean, that's if that doesn't wake you up, I just don't understand. And so if, if heart disease... A, a, a cardiac patient come in next week 
I mean, it, it, and you're still going to treat them. It, that, that's, that's not going away. Right. Right. Yep. And we had one last night. Just She was fluid overload, dialysis patient, and, it, and it's like it doesn't, those don't go away. Those major issues don't go away. Can y'all still hear me? So where are they? Are they yeah, yeah. So are they are they not coming in? Do you think as much, or are they coming in? Like, what are you seeing? Because are you just seeing COVID patients right now? No, those those issues are still coming in, and you know, like a lot of the old people, they'll wait till the last minute to come in because they're so scared of COVID. So um, th then you have a, even more serious. The other thing that I've noticed and I've heard is in San Antonio, an ER physician wrote that the specialists um, are refusing to go into the ER. They're like, y'all take care of them, basically. Um, and it's unfortunate <laughs> because they, um, they're, they're saying that because they don't want to go in to manage these people because number one, they might catch COVID um, and they're leaving it to the ER and the hospitalists. So the, we see around the country, most of the ERs have turned into the ICUs, right? And we're not, I'm not a trained ICU mid-level. So um, that's what I think really scares me down here. And we're not there yet, but that's what I mean. Like where those patients are now having to just be managed by a select few. And um, so that's really hard because as it, like, for example, when a patient came in yesterday and she does have chronic issues, I told her this, I said, listen, according to my standpoint, is as an ER, you're stable, you know, and it's now for you, time for you to go home and follow up with your PCP. And PCP is not seeing them right now, or it's telemedicine. And um, telemedicine is fine, but some of them aren't even doing that because there's a federally, federally funded program down here, a federally funded clinic who's not even seeing the patients. And we're like, how can you stop seeing them? Like, you're federally funded. You can't shut down. So they come to you're not even huh? doing medicine, though? No. So they come to my ER because she doesn't know if she's pregnant or not. That's really interesting. Wow. See, I mean, this is ridiculous, right? I mean, I don't understand. Like, I was talking with someone, I think, a couple weeks ago, and I said, how many people are going to want to enroll in medical school after all this? Right. I mean, how many doctors, and I, you don't have to obviously, like, you don't have to say if you don't want to, but how many healthcare providers have you heard that said, like, I didn't sign up for this, I wouldn't do this again. If somebody wanted to go into medicine, I would tell them no. Like, don't don't bother. We're not even to that point. I've even seen um, a friend of mine works at a hospital in Houston, and when all this started, she was having to see COVID patients with one mask, and it wasn't even an N95, and they tattooed it on the sides and why was that because the uh covid patient wasn't positive you guys gotta understand at the beginning it's gotten better but it would take 10 to 12 days for people to come back with the positive test no you could, you could see it on x-ray you could see it on ct but they weren't positive because so then ppe isn't gonna be used because they're not positive but we that's what i to tell somebody we know when they have it we know but the positives were taking so long. So then what happened was her nurse colleague said, screw this, I'm out, and they quit. So they haven't had to lay off any in their department because so many quit. Wow. So huh. let, let me ask you this, going back to the tests, how accurate do you think the tests are? Well, 
I mean, if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. I will tell you, this is my opinion. I, let's go back. I just saw a documentary, when I saw a documentary, it was a special by PBS. Their first COVID in Washington state was January 15th. And they knew three weeks before about this. And three weeks before they had been practicing and it took them two hours to get that patient tested. And in isolation, it was a 35 year old male. In probably late January, early February, I was, because I'm a mid-level in the ER, we kind of see the fast track. So most of, well, we did, right, before this. We would see the maybe flus, maybe strep throat, maybe, you know, the quick things, get them in and out. And um, I remember, I didn't know a lot about COVID. I had heard of it, but I didn't know. And um, I remember testing people and it was negative strep, negative flu, negative x-ray. And they were sick AF. Like, they were sick. And you got to understand, like, I live really close to the border, right? And I, there's a lot of people that come from China that go through Mexico and go, come up through here. We, we've seen it. Um, not only that, but we're a big travel hut, right? So you have a lot of people coming. It was during spring break time. We did have spring break. Um, and winter Texans coming back and forth. People going to New Orleans. They went to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. And I kept looking at their x-ray one day. And I was looking and looking. And one of my docs says, Vanessa, what's wrong with you? And I said, you know, they're really sick something's going on and she even she even kind of sarcastically said she's like well maybe you need to go review your bronchitis guidelines and I said they don't have bronchitis I don't hear anything in their lungs something's going on and then when they come out and saying that the CT scan was really the only way to see an early COVID I was like oh my god how many have I seen and don't even know you know and that's basically my opinion and when people that back to the testing people ask, well, aren't you testing everyone? And we had people come to our hospital wanting to get tested. I'm like, and we cannot test you unless you meet criteria, unless your O2 stat is super low and you're been, you're basically super sick. Can we test you? And so there've been, I was a worker from that nursing home. She was a young girl, came over, cough and fever. Her O2 stat was okay though. She knew she had COVID. I knew she had COVID, but I can't even test her. So I asked her, please go home and quarantine for 14 days. Do we know if they do that? I don't know. I will tell you one of the first cases in my area, there is rumors, this is rumors, that he was a young kid, went traveling with the group to Europe. They all came back. They were already symptomatic. His dad said, lie, come back. And so they all lied, got here. He was outside in one of the tents at another hospital coughing. And uh, they called him on a Friday. They said, hey, you're positive COVID. On Saturday and Sunday, he went to the golf course and he went to the country club. How do we control those people? Yeah. So the testing is a big deal because it's like people are like, well, we've only tested so many. It's not a controlled study. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's 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 yeah, the data is all off. It's it's so. And there's so many different sources saying so many different things. Yeah. Is also the problem. So it's also nice to hear it from like someone that's basically working the front lines. Because, like, yeah, you, you can get lost in so much information that's, you know, you can just, if there's so much information that you got to know that most, a lot of it is untrue. Hey there, Vitamizers. Thank you so much for listening to the How Do You Health podcast. I hope you're enjoying the show. Wanted to pop in really quickly and let you know that if you're listening to this show during the month of May, uh, this episode is technically airing on April 29th. But if you're listening from April 29th through the end of May, we have an amazing deal on our website called the 
Metabolic Bundle. Now, the Metabolic Bundle is a combination of three of our supplements at MSW Nutrition. We have MSW Nutrition Zen, which is our adrenal supplement. It gives you support to your adrenal glands so that you're not overstressing them, you're not running your body down with those excess stress hormones, and clearing that out and supporting the adrenals really helps you to sleep better, helps your body to recover quicker, and when you sleep better and you're recovering quicker, it makes weight loss easier. Once we've set those adrenals in place, the liver love can come in and help clear out your liver. So this is your second stack uh, vitamin in the pack, your liver love, Slenderella liver love. It's still called Slenderella. (laughs) And uh, this one is all about targeting the liver. So think about an air filter and how when it gets dirty, it's harder to clean the air. Uh, And then once you clean the air filter out, you're good to go. That's how your liver works. Your liver is the body's number one detox organ, and when the liver gets too clogged, it's hard for the body to get rid of those toxins, which can then cause the body to hold on to excess estrogen, meaning it's harder to burn fat cells. So taking the liver love with the Zen really helps complement each other nicely. Last but not least, we have our weight loss capsules, also by Slenderella, and these target the body's own fat tissues to use them as fuel. So you take these guys right after you eat, they help curb your hunger, and they force your body to burn its own fat for fuel. Combining the three of these is a metabolic pack like we've never sold before, and you can get all three of these at a sale price of $149 for the bundle. Check it out below in the show notes, and I hope you guys are having an amazing time listening to the How Do You Health podcast. Well, the testing is the biggest thing that I, I would say this is this collects data, right? Like, it, it, like you've come in here and you've seen and we talk labs and we've talked vitamins and all that stuff, too. I say the reason I can tell you the vitamins work is because I look at the labs and the labs tell me that markers change. Right. So when it comes to this, you need data. Right. So you go back to the idea of getting blood work. Right. Like we're about to start doing antibody blood tests, uh, blood draws here next week, which I think might be pretty accurate. I, I hope I'm hoping. Right. I know this is all getting made as we go along. I, I understand that. Right. But I mean, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be to the point where I have healthcare workers working in hospitals calling me saying, hey, do you have any test kits? that I could buy off of you because my hospital doesn't have any enough for us. And I'm just like, you're a doctor, a nurse on the front line, you know, PA on the front line. It wasn't you obviously, but it's like, you're, you're calling me like, why, why do you think I have all the test kits, you know? But the crazy thing is in the public side, all the hospitals should get it too. I'm a family nurse practitioner, which means that I see family issues. And so if somebody calls me and says, hey, I think I might have this. Is there a way to check? Up until like probably the last month, it wasn't like I could just say, oh, yeah, just go down the street and just go get a nasal swab and, uh, you know, you'll get the results back in two days. No, it's like, nope, you think you got it. You go in your room for 14 days, you don't come out and, and you don't come in contact with anyone. And, and the idea that we came and test everyone, which is crazy, you know, but on top of that, too, there, I can't verify accuracy with anything that I hear anymore because the, the information is so skewed. I don't know who to believe, right? Yeah, I'll send you that link on the PBS special because um, they said that they, you've heard in the news now, we've known this for a while because one of my docs is really big and she was with TB and all the Ebola and all these things. And we've been on top of it. That, but the CDC said no to the WHO when they asked them, here are these tests, they said, no, we'll get our own. And so then they made their own and then they were faulty. And I want to say it was like 18 days lost to try to get them back, uh, to get them to be 
good tests. So, and that was just in Washington when it started. So are our tests accurate? Hmm? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I was just reading a report two days ago that said the CDC sent out a bunch of their test kits and they were tainted with the coronavirus already mm-hmm. on it and when this first started. The funny thing about it, the whole article didn't say anything about like, oh, it's that meant so the, the positives and the tests were skewed because the results were falsified because, you know, they, you know, they were tainted. They didn't say anything like that. Like, we apologize for that. It was more like, we're going to get it right, right next time. And it's, it's really hard because when you look at the preparedness, you can, you can see there's people who have told us, and I say us like this country, the healthcare officials, whoever say, hey, you know, you're not really prepared for something disastrous, right? It's like the whole idea of like, do you have six months savings in your bank account right now if something disastrous happens? Most people don't. And that's the honest truth, right? The same thing goes with the hospitals, you know, like, I think what Trump was getting on kimono because they're like, hey, they got a bunch of stuff in storage, you know, and kimono's like, well, yes, we do, because that's called our storage. That's our savings. You know, like that's what we've stored up and tried to try to get throughout, you know, this whole even before this. But like there's no stored COVID tests. There's no stored COVID vaccines. There was no stored COVID like treatment plans. I mean, you didn't learn about this in school. I didn't. Nothing. No, but you go back. I, I listened to a podcast with a virologist and she knew about this in 2015, COVID-19. Yeah, 2015, COVID-19. Um, but it was like in horses, so they didn't, it was only transmitted to humans this past fall. Um, and so then that's when basically, but we, but you know how, you know, how many papers are published a year of, well, this is a new virus or this is a new thing going on. And we don't really pay attention to it. And, um, but you're right on the money, like where CDC's like, even <laughs> the point where they're like telling us you could use cloth masks. So I went and did the research and it's like, there's been studies on cloth masks and why they're not good for people like us who have to be face to face with COVID. And it's like, guys, are you kidding me? Like you were actually recommending that to us when you know and have known of these studies going on. And, but that's what you're resorting to. And that's why we have surgical masks. That's why we have N95s. And it was just, it's just mind blowing. It's just disappointing, disheartening. It is, it is. And what's interesting about it is in a couple months, the elections are gonna come up, right? And, and this may or may not be the topic anymore, right? Like we might just, and what's crazy about it, I've told, I told everyone that's come in here, I said, you know what's incredible about this? Like, Every 37 seconds, someone has a heart attack in this country, and uh, 14% of those heart attacks will end up in a death, which means in about a year span, there's about 680,000 people who will die from heart disease, and it's not like that went away. And if anything, you know, it's like it's still there, right? And we haven't talked about, like you said, the food. We haven't talked about it. Um, I sit back, and Baldo hears my frustration all the time because – we have seen, you talk about research. I saw a research article from 2017 and it was another SARS, I guess the 
I think there's maybe one or two rounds of, of SARS now. And and the this other one was a mix of different viruses. And you're right. I don't think it's released in the humans. They basically create it and then they just test them out. So this was like a mix of rhinovirus and enterovirus. And uh, they said the way that the virus works is that it attacks the alveoli in the lungs, which is essentially the ends of where the, the, the pipes are in your lungs. And it, it keeps you, if, if you have that damage there, it keeps you from being able to get fluid and, and uh, oxygen and gas out of your lungs. So the ventilators that y'all hook up, they give oxygen, right? They help you breathe. Well, Baldo asked the question a couple weeks ago. He's like, well, do they also get fluid out of the lungs? And I was like, no, they don't. And, and the crazy thing is with this virus, it attacks the lungs in a way that the, the lungs fill up with fluid and inflammation. And it's like a faucet that just never turns off. And that's what this paper said from 2017. And so what said next was incredible. They said, well, one of the things that happens with this disease is sepsis comes about. And sepsis is essentially like the shutdown of an organ system. Uh, the lungs get too overwhelmed. So essentially the body says, let's just shut it down. And when you have sepsis, you also have in this paper, it says this, uh, vitamin C deficiency. And so vitamin C is a medication. It's known as an exorbic acid. Uh, it, you can actually, it's vitamin C, you can get over the counter as a supplement, but you can actually get it as a vitamin. We offer it here at our clinic. We do vitamin IVs all the time. Like we do that like four today. I think it's kind of funny that you just called it a medicine. Well, it's funny because <laughs> what I was getting at is this, it's not a medicine, but it, I have to look at it as a medicine. If we're staying yeah. like just in the medical mindset, just for a minute, right? Yeah, no, I it's the idea <laughs> is that if you look at the who, the who lists it as an essential medication in their book of essential medications. And this report said that vitamin C high dose in an IV would help with the sepsis and SARS patients. And so I saw that this was the case that they were doing using this method in, uh, in China when this first started. And then uh, there was a New York doctor who was doing it as well. I could not find any follow-up whatsoever on that. Any other than the, every time I searched for it on the internet, uh, it was debunking this and it's a myth and it doesn't work. And I get a bunch of media outlets telling me no. But here's the thing. Not only did that happen, but then like a week later, a physician buddy of mine sends me a, an article that said glutamine, L-glutamine, which is amino acid, could help with the lungs as well. My question to you is, Vanessa, after seeing this and another article about alpha lipoic acid I saw last night, what would happen if I came uh -huh. to your hospital and I had vials of vitamin C and glutamine and alpha lipoic acid? And I'm like, all right, I want to be on the front, front line. I got the vitamins, right. I got the IV bags. Like, what do y'all need? How can I help? What would happen? They'd laugh at you. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. It, it hurts. It puts an ugly feeling right in the pit of my stomach. Hold on really quick. Hold on really quick. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Like I said, it's interesting to refer to those things as medicine because, I mean, yeah, it, they're medicine in the same way that you say, like, food is your medicine. Well, I, I know I say right? that. But it's a... Well, we, we learned that. We learned that it is, if you administer it through an IV, it's a medication, sure. right? Which is incredible because here's the thing. If you look at vitamin C as a vial and being injected in an intravenously, intravenously, then you, you are essentially are performing a medical act and you're administering a medication right through an IV. Your medication that you're choosing is vitamin C. It comes in a vial. You have to have a prescription for it, which is incredible. And the crazy thing is the WHO says this is a 
very safe and effective essential medication that you've had in your toolbox for years, which means they give it the A-OK -okay to say this is safe and effective to use. Here's the thing that pissed me off when it does. You, you talk about, like, Vanessa having a pit in your stomach. So there's this guy named Linus Pauling. And Linus Pauling, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's a brilliant scientist. In fact, if you look him up, he's one of probably the 20 smartest scientists ever, ever. And that says something, right? But he won two Nobel Prizes, one in science and one in peace. And he's the only guy ever in the history of mankind to have two unshared Nobel Peace or Nobel Prizes. And he got into vitamin C therapy, like in the 60s. And he wrote a book about it. It's called the, uh, Vitamin C and the Common Cold. Mm -hmm. And he did a trial with high-dose vitamin C IVs, and he gave it to all these people with all kinds of issues, and it helped all of them, helped all of them. And so it became fascinating. He's like, this is cool. And uh, he, he said that in the paper that it should be recommended anytime there's like, you know, a health issue on, on hand. Well, the Mayo Clinic decided that this was a bunch of baloney, and so they said, we're going to prove you wrong. So they redid the test, and they came up with different results. And so there was this big public forum about it. I remember reading this uh, a couple weeks ago, and it said that Linus Pauling went up against the head person at Mayo Clinic in a public forum and said, I don't even know what we're debating here. You did the, the wrong test, Mayo Clinic. And Mayo Clinic's like, you know, we did. We did the exact same thing. We did vitamin C. He goes, no, you did it. You did vitamin C orally and IV. You should have done just solely IV high dose. You didn't even do but like three or five grams. You didn't even do high enough as we did. How can you say this is the same test? Mayo Clinic was like, nah, what are you going to do about it? You're wrong. And that was it. And it was crazy because at that point, Linus Pauling, one of the smartest men and humans to ever live, was almost laughed at because he suggested something as simple as vitamin C to help you. And that's the thing. If I came up to the hospital, I know that's exactly what would happen. And, and I know it would hurt you, and I know you'd probably fight for it. I don't know if there's even a doctor there that would be able to allow that to be off because it's not their decision anymore, right? It would be like a higher-up decision, right? Well, it's like – Oh, yeah. I thought it's like – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I said, I've talked to some of my docs and I've actually talked to some of my docs about MSW nutrition and I, and they're like all for it. And I was like, so surprised. I didn't realize that they were so holistic. I'm super holistic. And, and, um, but you're right. They, they have no choice. They would be like, yeah, I can't even implement that in my treatment. And it's so unfortunate because you're right. It does become now it's like sepsis of the body. And that was my other ar the argument with my doc. Cause I said, I understand ventilators are not the go-to and, and that's their, their argument. It's so sad when they were like, New York's fighting for ventilators, and that's not even really the treatment. And it's like, no, that isn't the treatment, but that's all we have. When someone's in front of you and they can't breathe, what do you want? You want to put them on a ventilator, right? And there was one doctor who survived after 25 days on a ventilator in Saragossa, somewhere. But anyway, he um, survived, and but they're showing that prone positioning, and, and I'm following the science like you are. I, when all this started, I told my family, you get on vitamin C now, you get on, you know, I'm trying any holistic way to prevent you to get this far, and do your breathing exercises, and go outside and walk, and trying to do anything preventative just so that they don't have to, and don't go out if they're obese, or if they have any other comorbidities, but it, it and that's the most frustrating part, I think for me when watching all these press conferences or whatever is that 
they don't look at people on the front line. I will tell you, I know that one of the doctors that's talking to our governor is a specialist. And I'm like, you're a specialist at home on a tele doing telemedicine. Like, talk to us. Ask us how it's going, you know? And, and then when they're making decisions, they don't talk to infectious disease or they don't talk to um, the frontline people. And it's really upsetting because it's like, well, if you want a haircut, you're not going to go to Subway or to, you know, or Chick-fil-A. You're going to go to a hairstylist. You don't do that. So why in the world do you not go to the experts? I just, it's mind boggling and so frustrating. Well, it's really interesting because I asked you the same question the other day. Is like, what about all the people that are surviving all this, that are doing okay with this? Like, how come we're not talking about, like, what, what is it that they're doing? Or what is it that, what's their lifestyle like that they're able to sustain, like, the disease or just not even have anything? But all we hear about is, like, the people that are dying and just, like, blowing up the numbers, which I'm not saying blowing up as in like they're exaggerated, just more of like, it's just counting more and more people. And what I want to know is like, I want to know what I, what I, what the people that are surviving this are doing. So that way, in case I get it, then I know what to do. Yeah. Well, like, like imagine this, and this is how they word it from the media standpoint, right? They, they say like, okay, if there's, and we have looked at numbers. We've, we've looked at numbers nonstop. We've, run, we've crunched numbers. I've gotten the mortality rate as low as 0.01 when this first started up to as high as 7%, right? So if that means 7% are dying from this, that means 93% are actually recovering, right? They say something like 93% of those people, maybe like 80% of them are asymptomatic, which means they're walking around now just infecting everyone. And they don't even know it because they have they don't even have any signs, no fever, no nothing. So I hear that. I'm like, so you mean you have a healthy person walking around during a normal time when there's flu and viruses and bacteria always flowing around. They're not getting sick, but you're worried that they're going to infect everyone else. Why don't you actually just ask that person, like Baldo said, why are you so healthy? Like, why didn't you get sick off of this? Like, what, what did you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's like, if you see someone in the gym and you're like, all right, you know, they, they got, Big biceps. I want big biceps like them. It's like you go up to them and say, hey, man, what kind of workouts do you do to get that? Why do this? Like, that's exactly what I would do. So, oh, okay, cool. Like, I would take from that and say, I'll use it too. But I think that going back to the testing, if we would test everybody and see, are there any controllables? Are there anything? Because right now, there are no controllables. Like, right now, it's like, yeah, we only hear about the bad. Why? Because we, we have 20-year-olds, healthy 20-year-olds on ventilators, and we don't know why. We had, there was like some guy that's like no, well known for CrossFit died because of this. And it's like, that if we don't test everybody, then we don't know what in the world did they have and not. Um, if you go to, there's one girl on Instagram that she's very holistic. Both of her parents were put, had COVID-19 and both of them were on the ventilator. Dad's since been home. Mom is almost there. Um, organic Olivia she goes down to the science and I can't remember the exact words because uh, there's so much I read, you know, <laughs> it's just overwhelming. And I, you know, I forget this and that, but she is onto it. And she refers to a lot of studies where they go down to the a micro level and say, this is what, I can't remember the name of the um, micro that what most people have in this. I think it's gut. And I wish I had read it better before talking to y'all, but it's just like, again, I have to. Can I throw a guess I, out there? Can I throw a guess? Is it glutamine? Is it glutamine and ACE2? Yes, but there's one starting with a P. I can't remember. Was it but, Well, the reason I'm saying this is because 
Okay, so I read an article. When, okay, my physician buddy sent me that article about glutamine. And it's, this is what it says in the article. Okay, I'll send you this. This is incredible. I, he sent me this at midnight on a Saturday, right? And it says there's a, an artificial intelligence company out of Massachusetts that ran a study, uh, like a program, over 27,000 existing medications out there, trying to see which one of the existing medications could possibly reverse gene expression of COVID patients layman's terms, the idea that you could possibly reverse symptoms and stop the inflammation from occurring in these patients. And they said that out of this program that ran 27,000 medications, the number one most promising medication or drug was L-glutamine. Glutathione, its antioxidant it leads to, is like number six or seven on that list. And I'm saying it tested everything, including the hydrochloroquine and, and the azithromycin. Like it's all up to date. This was specific for this issue and i mean it says and i'll show you the exact paragraph it says this needs to be looked at more because it could possibly reverse gene expression in coronavirus patients i like couldn't go to bed. i could not go to bed i was like you're kidding me like l-glutamine like how and so i was like why why so i looked up somehow down my rabbit hole and i found a paper from the wuhan biology lab where all this started and they said something about ACE2 and glutamine. And remember, there was talks, I'm sure you even had it too, that they were saying maybe give uh, ACE inhibitors for the COVID patients because they said there's a receptor on the lungs, ACE2, that basically there's a, there's a malfunction there for some reason. And so they said, let's throw these blood pressure pills at it, right? They told you this, right? Right. Yeah. And so this article, the only, the only reason I'm going back to receptors is because it said that ACE2, if I'm reading this correctly, said that glutamine, which is our most abundant amino acid in our body, it's everywhere. Apparently, there's receptors on the lungs for it. And apparently, at this ACE2 receptor site, the glutamine that's supposed to go there and match up with its receptor, it's blocked by the virus. And I don't know if there's like a deficiency of glutamine or so. I couldn't figure this out. Well, it's interesting, right? Because like glutamine and higher dosages in powders do is what we recommend for autoimmune disorders right for like fixing the gut so like is this kind of like an autoimmune disorder in the lung i, I don't know i mean this, this is a vanessa question because i mean what do you see with these symptoms like i mean what, what are they presenting with uh, most of the time I've, you know what's crazy is it the you know in reading and reading when all this is going on you you read how some of them had the GI symptoms of diarrhea. And I was like, you know how many diarrheas I've seen? And I, you know, here I think it's just diarrhea and they're like, I can't get rid of this diarrhea. And then the other thing is that I was noticing an influx of dialysis patients and people with kidney problems coming in and I'm like, are they not going to dialysis? What's going on? And then I read another paper on how it affects your kidneys. So it's like, are these people carriers? Do they have a mild version of COVID? And they're really, their symptoms are showing that they were, were thinking that something else because in medicine, that's what you, you just look at, you know, with that. We're not pre-COVID. We didn't look at COVID like that. Um, it, but most of the time it's they cough, dry cough, and a fever. That's what they start for us, for me, what I've seen. I can't say that for the masses. You know? but, no, but the thing is, like, like you said before, we don't get to talk to a lot of frontline people. Like, the, the, I mean, we're essential, but we're not frontline. I don't, I mean, we're semi frontline because we might see some people who might think they have it and all that. You're seeing people who have it. Like, you're, they're coming in to see you. Like, and right. so the symptoms are very, right, like broad. 
right? Like everyone always talks about breathing issues and all that stuff too. But, um, you know, it's just incredible because I sit here and I look and I look and I think, okay, if I have something in our toolbox that could possibly help all this, I know it's there. Like, I mean, I even read about alpha lipoic acid last night for COVID patients. And this article says, it's a medical article. These are all medical articles, the same ones that other practitioners and clinicians look at. This one said alpha lipoic acid for its antioxidant properties around the lung tissue with the cytokine production and the neutrophils and all that. And I'm just like, wow, it's like all there. Like you get vitamin C, glutathione, O-glutamine, you give zinc, uh, you know, like you boost their immune system, right? You give a bunch of antioxidants. I would be laughed at if I go to the hospital and they even suggest it. And so Baldo and I kind of think about this. On your end, you see it from the hospital. On our end, we talk to all the practitioners that have their own small practices, like independent practices, and they're all switching to telemedicine, right? And, and like you said, like there's, and I knew this was going to happen. If you switch to telemedicine, there's some people, especially in certain parts of this country, that are not going to see their doctor over the phone. And their doctor definitely did not go to medical school to basically treat people through iPhones. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be a disconnect somewhere where the patient's like, you know what? I'm not even going to go in to see my doctor because one, I can't talk to him face to face. And then two, I'm not going to go to the ER because I don't want to get COVID. So like they just stay home and they wear their way and die. And that's, that's, that's the truth because they're not getting their care. And so you have doctors that are, they're freaked out because they're like, I don't know how I'm going to keep the doors open. I don't know like what I'm going to do uh, as far as like insurance, what they're going to tell me. And I'm just thinking like, well, why do you have to do what insurance tells you? Like you're, you're a practitioner. You can, you want to choose to tell your, your patients, like take vitamin C. You can do that. Insurance is not going to pay you for that, but you know, you can do that somehow. And, and so what Ball and I have been talking about lately is like, well, what if we get out of this and we started over with the healthcare system, right? Cause someone even asked me this they said, is the healthcare system going to get better or worse out of this whole deal? What's your opinion? You know, I hope it gets better. I hope that people wake up and realize that we can't solve everything and that you, the fundamentals of having a good, uh, being as healthy as possible, um, of seeking natural holistic medicine before would be possibly better. And let's, let's hopefully that, that, um, seesaw is going to swing back a little bit in our thinking, you know, because we're both practitioners, and uh, you've heard me say this all the time, where I love medicine, that's why I came into this, but I hate pharma, I hate that medicine, because it's kind of like, I don't want to give you a pill when I know you can get better just doing something else, because that pill is going to have so much more effect on you, it's going to affect your other organs and doing that, so my hope is that they see this and realize it, it it's just, and it, but it kind of pisses me off, for lack of a better word, where they're, you know, like hydrochloroquine was, advised and my family's like well go get it go get us some way and i'm like y'all you can't just take a pill you know <laughs> and you don't know the side effects and they're like well what are they i'm like well sudden death is one of them you know yeah would you and they're like well what else and i'm like there's We're losing her. We're losing you, Vanessa. Losing her. I'm going to mute up here for a second. I don't know if you can still hear us. But. Hey, home, still there. Hello? 
Nara, can you still hear us? We're kind of losing you over here. Yeah, so, well, to answer that question, well, I don't know, if, I'm not going to answer the question. I see it in both ways as far as, like, your question about, like, is it, are we going to come out better or worse? Um, a friend asked us about that. Well, I mentioned it first, too. I think that's why she brought it up. But um, I, I see it in, from both senses. I think that, if anything, like, consumer awareness would be better, right? Like, I think that it could be it's, there's two sides to that coin like i think that from the medical industry is like well now here's the reason why everybody should be doing what we tell you to do and, and and see it from that standpoint but from a consumer standpoint it's like this is the reason i should be healthier right and i think that there's going to be an awareness there so it's more of like who do you empower more the consumer or the medical industry you know for me it's the answer is always in empower the consumer and educate them right because now this is a prime example of why you should eat healthier, you know, exercise, like sleep better, like do all those things because these are the people that are making it through this, uh, through this pandemic, if, if anyone, right? Um, but from the medical standpoint or from the pharma standpoint, it's like this is exactly why you should take a vaccine. Well, and, and you can't, I mean, yes, you can fault them because we understand different things but like you can't fault that argument on their end because it's like no like we don't we're, we're trying to help you guys out here and it's it's bunk i think but at the same time like there's there's powers to both statements yeah that's funny i never thought the v word is going to be like it's like politics now and religion yeah. right like you brought that v word up man yeah. um yeah so i'm going to try to stay positive with this right and be optimistic because that's how you well, are. Well, the thing about it is that the power is always in the consumer. Well, the power is. And so that's why I'm optimistic. Like, whether, like, the medical industry gets better, I, that's the part that I don't – that's the part that I don't have so much – as much hope for just because, like I said, there's so much money there, and it's so easy for them to say this is exactly why it should be done this way so you guys don't get sick anymore. Is it? Cause, because where is, how are they going to make money if they're like, this is exactly why you should eat better so that way you never have to take medicine. So do you, if you think about it, it's, it's almost like, could you have to, do you have to start over in, in a new healthcare model? Yes. And that's the thing, right? So if you, we going to resend it again. Uh, in the healthcare model that you imagine that is probably in today's society in this country it might not be the right approach if you're going to try to be very progressive uh, unfortunately that the medicine today is only effective or only only progressing in any direction because of technology it's not because medication itself is 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 doing all these wonderful wonderful things like the advancements in medications have been minimal but the advancements in technology have been abundant right like we have mris in real time with ai work and we have uh, blood glucose readers that you know can record your blood glucose in real time and send it through a report to iphone you know and i mean there's there's all these really cool like wearable technologies right like the aura ring you can basically track your sleep um you know people are fasting i mean there's we talk about things that are very progressive, but see, healthcare doesn't think that way. They want, it's weird because they want to wait and, and not really like go against the tide because they're too much tied into the established 
status quo that is big pharma and insurance. And so a healthcare system like this one today, I know Vanessa, you know, didn't really say it because she's, she's in the heart of she's it. In the system. She's in the system. Uh, you know, we are not, I got out of it. Baldo and I started, I've never been in it. <laughs> he's never been in it, but Baldo and I started because I was in a system that was part of the, the, the big empire. It was, uh, I was in pain management. And I was in it when like the end of the opioid crisis was going on. I thought I could go in there and make a difference and see if I could get people off their medications, maybe even help them, you know, get a new aspect on, on health. That thing is powerful. It was the first time I learned, I was like, this is a very powerful way of looking at uh, health and medicine and all that. So it, it's, I said, there's gotta be a change. And I didn't know if I could go in there head on and change it that way, but you know what? I said, we're going to do it a different way. Baldo and I started off, basically created this clinic, and uh, we, we serve up natural health. And I think when you look at what we're doing right now, giving vitamin IVs uh, full of vitamin C and glutamine and alpha lipoic acid, we're doing it because we know it's what our bodies are designed for. It's not something that you have to wait for a clinical trial to see if it's some brand new medication that was introduced and it might harm the body. No, like your body was designed for vitamin C. Your body was designed for alpha lipoic acid. Your body was designed for L-glutamine. So, I mean, glutamine makes up most of your body. I mean, everywhere. Yeah, right? Every yeah. Cell. Yeah, we're finding out how important it really is. We know it's great for the gut, and, and now uh, we know it's good for the lungs. And so there's so much we have yet to learn when it comes to nutrition. I'm optimistic about it, but I think there's probably needs to be a whole other dynamic uh, established that, that really focuses on, you know, that as maybe more of a mainstream approach to the healthcare system in our country. I don't know if traditional medicine and, and insurance are, are going to want to be a part of that, but the truth is we've already done it. Like we've already, like it's already going on right now, right? Like every time you listen to the How Do You Healthy podcast, you have someone on like Vanessa, for example, or, you know, someone else that hears us, they, they, they listen, they learn, they educate, like Baldo said, right? You educate. And that's what this is all about. So hopefully, uh, you know, I think we got cut off from Vanessa right now, but uh, I know we are very thankful to have her on um, to hear her and, and her, her take on being on the front line during this whole ordeal. It's, it's incredible. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, put on the show on the show notes uh, where to find her, how to, how, how to connect with her as well, too. But uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see. We'll talk soon.